Come in. Here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort. Slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hello there, and welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Rob Howe. It is Wednesday, July the 5th, a little after 9 a.m. Central Time. Hopefully, everyone had a wonderful holiday and was safe and nobody blew off any body parts. Um, I'm uh, into my first cup of coffee this morning. Uh, went to a 4th of July party and um, had a beer there and a couple when I got home, and I'm not used to drinking much anymore so um a little out of uh shape in that regard and dragging a little bit this morning not much of a hangover i can just kind of feel it when you get to be 56 uh you feel those things a little bit more than you used to uh when you were young and spry but be that as as it may you're probably going to hear some more coffee sips here's one and uh we'll try to get through this thing and uh I'd like to start off by recapping some of the headlines from the previous week that we spoke. Uh, we last spoke, uh, what was it, June 27th, I guess that would have been, last Tuesday. Uh, we And uh, actually, uh, it's Wednesday today, so uh, it's been eight days since we've spoken. And uh, I'd like to catch up on the headlines uh, since then. And... Uh, Caitlin Clark won a nice couple of awards. She was the Collegiate Women's Athlete of the Year. Uh, first Hawkeye ever to do that, meaning uh, she basically was, they they gather all of the um, players of the year in each sport together uh, in California and have a ceremony, and then they pick one out of all of the sports to be the Woman Athlete of the Year, and Caitlin won that and then she was named the Big Ten Female Athlete of the Year, which certainly makes a whole lot of sense. Uh and same concept there. Uh all the players of the year in each of the sports for the Big Ten. And uh she was uh the top choice there as well. Uh and I just retweeted a video uh from from Matt Koss, formerly of the Quad City Times. He's doing some part-time work now, but he had Caitlin Teeing off at the Pro-Am at the John Deere Classic over in, uh, is that in Moline? 
I know it's in the Quad Cities. I forget what uh, where the course actually is. I've never been to the event. I'm not a huge golf guy, but uh, no, she's very much into golf. And I saw the gallery around her was huge. So uh, I'm sure John Deere appreciates uh, the John Deere Classic, appreciates having her there. And wherever she goes, she draws a crowd. So hopefully she shoots a good round and uh, represents herself well. But first, she teed off and split the fairway. Uh, on her first hole so uh, off to a good start keep an eye on what she's doing over there I'm sure you'll see plenty of that on your social media feeds and elsewhere uh, we've had what one two uh, three four additions to the 2024 Iowa football recruiting class which is now up to 17 known members. And then we also had uh, the first student athlete to join in the 2025 Iowa recruiting class. So Iowa has its first verbal commitment in that class. And those are uh, student athletes that will be juniors this year in high school. So halfway through their high school careers, uh, Joey Van Wetzinger, uh, his dad is the head coach at Pleasant Valley. His older brother is a walk-on fullback at Iowa as a true freshman this year. Uh, both of their names are Joey, or um, excuse me, Rusty Van Wetzinger, uh, the the coach, the father, uh, and the uh, oldest, uh, the older brother who's here now. So nice, nice catch there. Iowa was his first offer. Uh, I don't get it. He's uh, he's a really good high school football player. Uh, and I think he's one of those guys kind of like when Iowa, this 24 class, Iowa built early with in-state kids and uh, got some really good kids in the 24 class. And I think as time goes on here, Joey's stock will rise and it may not in like star terms uh, and rankings that we'll talk about a little bit more here uh, with one of the questions that were, that was posed to me for the podcast, but uh I think he's going to end up being uh, very highly regarded uh, prospect by the end of uh, by the end of his high school career. Here he is, but um, he's still somewhat of an unknown. Um, could project at center, could play defensive tackle. Uh, we'll see where he ends up on the twenty four side. Uh, you had a big one that came in a little bit after we stopped recording last Tuesday, and that was Reese Vanderzee, wide receiver out of uh, Central Line, George Little Rock. Uh, then later that day, um, Iowa grabbed its second tight end commitment in the 24 class, having gotten uh, a commitment from Michael Burton or Michael Burt, Michael Burton, Michael Burt from uh, Omaha Creighton Prep had committed earlier uh, in the month. And we have a podcast with him actually on the feed, Michael Burt, that is, from Omaha. Really good interview. Nice kid. Uh, really nice prospect, as is Gavin Hoffman. He's from the Kansas City area. He jumped in with a commitment as well. Those were both last Tuesday. Then um, Thursday, it was K.J. Parker, a receiver from uh, Illinois, uh, suburban Chicago, Immaculate Conception. Uh, assistant coach there is Matt Bowen, former Hawkeye, current ESPN employee, I think. Hopefully he did not lose his job. But um, he committed uh, this past Thursday. Uh, and then I believe it was Monday of this week, 
Iowa added Joseph Anderson, a defensive end from St. Louis, uh, to the class as well. So they're up to 17. Uh, good start for the class. And uh, that will take us into our first question, which is um, on the topic of football recruiting. And uh, California Hawkeye at DFreen on Twitter. Uh, in the Big Ten 2024 football recruiting rankings, Iowa was either eighth or ninth. Why is Iowa so low? Why aren't USC and UCLA included? This would be the first first recruiting class for them in the Big Ten. I think some of these outlets do include USC and UCLA. You can look at the overall rankings and kind of figure out where they would be too. But uh, the first part of your question is these rankings are pretty fluid. Um, and you asked this question, I think, last Wednesday, Dean. Um, and since then, it's sta- it's still stayed pretty steady. I looked, uh, I looked all the, I pulled all these up this morning. Um, and if you go to two four seven, USC is included, and UCLA are included in the rankings. Uh, on three also has USC and UCLA included in the rankings. Rivals is the only one that does not include the two new schools. So, um, I'm not going to get into a commentary on which of these recruiting, uh, scouting, however you want to, uh, I guess, describe or label these sites. Uh, they rank recruits. Uh, I know that. They scout and rank recruits. And Rivals is uh, the only one out of those top three. ESPN I couldn't pull up because they're under behind a paywall, I think, which is – Good for them. I know they're trying to make money, and I get that. But for recruiting rankings, you should probably have those for everybody to see and kind of draw that into your – it helps draw into your premium content. But um, ESPN obviously has people that make those decisions, and good luck to them. But anyway, 247 on three and rivals all this morning have Iowa ranked ninth among – uh for for obviously for uh two four seven and on three which include USC and UCLA, Iowa's ninth out of sixteen teams uh in the rivals rankings, they are ninth out of fourteen teams. So anyway you slice it, um ninth uh in the over you know in the twenty four recruiting rankings, these things by the time you listen to this podcast, it could have changed uh, it doesn't take much uh, to move the rankings. As you get farther along in the process, it becomes more difficult to move in the rankings. But still, as teams are adding players, uh, and this is according to 247, if you look at the commitments, and sometimes it's the number of commitments that affects your ranking. So if a team is kind of behind in terms of gathering verbal commitments and uh, let's just say, you know, for sake of argument, Penn State has, you know, 12 commitments and Minnesota has 24 commitments, double the amount at a given time. That's going to help Minnesota a lot more. Um, even if Penn State has the higher average star ranking, so to speak. Um, but you look at the just I'm going to go off 247 here. Sports. Ohio State is number one. 
Michigan is number two, and USC is three, Penn State is four, Nebraska is five. So those are your top five. Uh, Ohio State has four five stars. They're the only Big Ten school with a five-star commitment in the class uh, based on two four sevens rankings, and they have 11 four-stars. Michigan has 17 four-stars. Again, no, no other schools besides Ohio State have any five stars in this current class as of now. Um, and if you drop down to Iowa, Iowa has two four stars and the rest are three or below. So take that for what it's worth. Actually, their other 15 are all three stars. So doesn't look like there are any two stars. There aren't as many two stars now. These, these scouting services don't like that. They don't like people to say, Hey, this guy was a two star. Now he's an all pro in the NFL. Um, so soon, oftentimes when the guys commit to um, power five schools, whoa, they went from two stars or no stars to three or four stars. So there is some correlation there. It's not just, I don't think it's, I think it's more of a um, reevaluation when the scouts see a kid that maybe they hadn't seen a lot and just had two stars on and then a power five school offers, and then you go and watch the video of the kid, and you're like, wow. Or you end up seeing him at a camp or something like that. Because I used to work for a network and uh, did some of these events, uh, these combines, things like that, where kids are evaluated. Uh, for me, there's nothing like watching the high school tape. That's the most valuable. I don't really – no offense to the seven-on-seven seven people. I think you can glean some information from that. But I want to see 11-on-11 11 11 or – uh, eight on eight, if you know if that's the the level in Iowa that that a kid is playing at, and then evaluate how they look on their high school tape. The best is actually getting out to the field and watching. I just don't have a lot of time to do that. But in working for Prep Network now and Prep Red Zone, I, I watch a lot of film, and uh, there are guys that there are so many guys that that fly under the radar. But anyway, to answer your question, Dean, um, this is kind of where Iowa lives in that, for the most part, in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten when it comes to recruiting. It's not really much different than years past. It fluctuates. You know, maybe they get up in the, you know, the upper half and push up into that a little bit. Sometimes they'll maybe fall a little bit below. Uh, and I know, let's say this as diplomatically as possible, um, I was recruiting They've gotten a lot of a lot of commits recently because of the big recruiting weekend at the end of June, where they bring a lot of their top targets unofficial, you know, with their targets or with their recruits that they've already gotten, uh, excuse me, uh, verbal commitments from, and then they mingle and have a great. Most of you guys have heard about the big official recruiting weekend, and then out of that, it's inevitable that they're going to get you know a group of recruits out of that, and then the narrative is Iowa is hot on the recruiting trail and they might be uh, the Hawkeyes might be recruiting, but it's not like, you know, some of the kids they've offered, you know, the month that they got a couple of the kids they offered at the beginning of June and got commitments from, and those were kids that got offers after Iowa didn't secure commitments from other guys that they had higher on their board. Um, and that's probably why you're seeing the ranking that you see. Um, and that's not, Iowa's not driven. It, it isn't driven by recruiting rankings. It's driven by scouting and evaluation. Um, 
but Iowa at at several positions this year um, ended up with guys farther down their list. And that doesn't mean those guys won't end up being better than the guys they had higher on their board. It's just, that's the way it came. They initially evaluated kids higher. Um, I'm I'm going to take the two tight ends, for instance. Iowa missed out on some more highly ranked tight ends than Hoffman and Burt, um, and they didn't offer those two guys until seeing them at the Lindenwood Super Camp uh, down in Missouri. But I don't have a problem with that. If they got their eyes on them at a camp like that uh, and then offered, I think I trust the valuations uh, also tape and also that they had been recruiting these guys before offering them. Uh, so they certainly were there. And it's just like, it's like anything else, an NFL draft, an NBA draft, you know, you, you put a board together and these are the guys that you rank going down at each position, one through whatever. And then you want the number one guy, obviously, but it doesn't mean that number one guy is going to be better than number five or number seven on that list. It's just how your initial evaluations are. So that is a long-winded, convoluted answer to your question, Dean. Uh, but the answer to the question is that it varies. It changes a lot. Like I said, you can look at those rankings that I'm giving you now, ninth in 247 on three and rivals, and it could be eight could be 10. Most likely they're not going to creep up much beyond one way or the other um, at this point. Cause most of these schools have uh, you know, like who's the, who has the least fewest amount of commits. UCLA only has nine commitments right now. Um, Northwestern or excuse me, uh, Michigan state has 11. Those are the two schools with the fewest amount of commitments, verbal commitments in the 24 class right now. Um so far in the Big Ten, and that includes obviously UCLA and USC. But most schools have, you know, in the high mid to high teens, uh, outside of uh, Michigan State and UCLA. So there's a chance that Michigan State and UCLA can move up the list as they gain more commitments. I would expect UCLA, with only nine commitments at this point, to move up. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how that shakes out. But that's kind of a convoluted, long-winded, roundabout answer to your question, Dean. But hopefully uh, that answers it. Um, and, yeah, we'll we'll see how things kind of shake out as we move forward here. And I'm not a big – I mean, I think you can tell if a cl- class is, like, really stacked from a uh, star standpoint. And then you can also see one that's – blah or bad um but you just never know how it's going to rotate down the road and i think i was done and proven through the years that it's very good at developing players whether they be scholarship or walk-on so um i wouldn't go i'm not saying you are but i wouldn't go and get too upset of where uh, iowa is ranked right now or in the future uh, this is from June 28th, which was last Wednesday. Rob, my condolences. To, uh, this is from 44MLess at 44MLess on Twitter, a regular contributor to the podcast. My condolences to you and the rest of your colleagues on the passing of Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Unfortunately, I haven't read much of his work, but based on what people have said about him, he was a true professional and a great person. Uh, he was. He really was. And uh, we're going to miss him. 
uh, on our hotspot podcast with Scott Dockerman and I from the athletic, we had John Bonenkamp who is, uh, works with me at another website on last Thursday's podcast. You can check that out. We talked about Steve, uh, and his kind of his legacy and who he was and, uh, be heading down to his service. I think it's Tuesday, the 11th. So that's going to be, it's going to be heavy. Um, but feel like definitely should be there and hopefully, uh, hopefully it's a, it's a, uh, something that uh, becomes easier to cope with over time, but it still kind of just blows my mind. And I I know some of my colleagues feel the same way. It's just been really, um, really devastating for our community, but uh, we push on here like Steve Wood, uh, hardest guy I've ever seen, hardest working guy I've ever seen in the business uh, around me, somebody who I've been around. I'm sure there are other people that work really hard, uh, but he always uh, just was a machine when it came to uh, writing and covering things, multitasking, and uh, he will be sorely missed. So I appreciate that. Less appreciate you passing along those condolences, and I pass them along to his uh, family as well. I, I know it's been a tough time for them. Um, this one is from July's second, which would have been what Sunday. I think that's right. Uh, Rob. Hi, Rob. What is the most likely? I'm sorry. This is from AP Hawkeye and that's Andy Paul rules one. Hi, Rob. What is the most likely scenario that we'll see one year from now? New men's basketball. Kirk is the football coach. That's a, you guys can vote at home too. Uh, Fran is the men's basketball coach. Iowa has a new football coach. Iowa has new men's basketball and football coaches. D is status quo. AP, Andy leans towards A, which is new men's basketball. Kirk is the football coach. So it's funny. We're having this conversation at the July 4th party I was at last night. But um, I think there's a decent chance that it's C, uh, new men's basketball, new football coaches next year, new AD uh, as well. And you just look at a convenient break in time. We'll start with men's basketball. Fran McCaffrey's youngest son, Jack, has stated that he does. he's not going to play basketball at, at Iowa for his dad. Um, he's a, He'll be a junior uh, in high school this year. Uh, he could be at Iowa City West, maybe at a prep school. But with him not playing, this is likely Patrick's last year at Iowa. Maybe he uses his COVID year. If he has one, I can't remember. Uh, I think he does, though, because he's had a lot of health issues, too. And if he applied, he would get that extra year anyway. Um, but if he chose to come back, I think Fran would stay for another year. But if Patrick were to leave, which I think uh, is the most likely scenario after this season, uh, and move on and take his shot at pro ball, that it's a good break for Fran to maybe move on. Um, I'm not sure he's um, been – what's the word I'm looking for? I don't think he has anything against Brad Heinrich and the and the Swarm Collective. It's been more um, 
valuable, I think, to the football program. And I think the men's basketball program has missed out more on potential targets in the transfer portal than football based on that. But it's a football school. I don't agree with Steve Alford on a lot of things, but when he left and said Iowa was a football school and he meant it to be a dig, he was right. Football is king in Iowa, um, at Iowa. And that's going to be reflected in NIL money as well when people contribute and people donate because you can earmark your donation. I think if it's above $1,000 or more, you can earmark it to to whichever sport you want it to go to. Um, And obviously, just common sense tells you a lot of people are going to earmark it to go towards football um, first. And people only have, you know, a finite amount of resources, most people. And um, so that's not like a steady revenue stream. So I think that would factor into Fran's decision. So I think there's a, a decent chance this is his last season, but I have not talked to him about it. Um, I'm not sure he would tell me one way or the other. Uh, that's just me. This is this answering this question as you would hopefully people understand is me speculating based on logic, reasoning, and trying to uh, connect the dots, so to speak uh, for the football situation. I would say, so the schedule is much easier this year. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that, that goes without saying. Last time in the, you know, in the West, last season for the West Division, excellent opportunity to win the division and go to the Big Ten Championship game, see what happens there. It's going to be loaded on the other side again. But, you know, you want to win your division, you want to represent the West in the final uh, Big Ten championship game where there where we have divisions at least for the foreseeable future. Um, so there it, there's a path to there's a path to this being a successful season, and I think it's a a pretty clear path. If the guys that they again go through the going back to the transfer portal, if Kate McNamara uh, and Caleb Brown and Seth Anderson and Rusty Feth and Dejon Parker. Uh, and Eric all that's a lot of firepower added to your offense. If you can um, maximize what you brought in out of the transfer portal, you should be much improved on offense against an easier schedule. And if that's the case, that's kind of the way I see it. And I think I would be surprised if this team didn't win eight games. I really would. Um, And would, I feel like I haven't done my game by game yet, but I think nine and 10 is certainly in play with the roster and the schedule uh, and coaching changes at other schools in the division. Uh, what three of them? Purdue has a new coach. Wisconsin has a new coach. Nebraska has a new coach. And there are plenty of examples when uh, there's a coaching change and uh, the new coach hits the ground running. Uh, but there are also times where it takes a, a year or two for that rebuild, maybe three years. I think they say year three, you should see marked improvement and we'll see how these programs, but Iowa is probably the most stable program in the big 10 West. So that being said, if Iowa isn't 
much more much improved on offense and it's just a slog even if they're winning games and it's just not because of the offense contributing and you know the heat gets turned up from the outside on Brian Ferentz the critics become louder of him I cannot see his father firing him so what are the other options at that point if you know Brian is not the answer at offensive coordinator, I think it's it would be a clean break, new athletic director. Um, Brian no longer the offensive coordinator. Uh, whether he resigns, I guess he could resign, um, but that's awkward for Kirk as well. I think it'd be easier for Kirk to just announce his retirement, um, and then you get a new head coach who bring you know puts together his own staff. Uh, whoever it would be, I would think would retain quite a few of the assistants on this staff, Phil Parker being the the number one if he chose to do it. Uh, but again, this is all speculation. Um, but given your parameters here, uh, I would probably agree with you, AP. I would go with A, um, but I'd also – it's a great question. I think you nailed this this is again this is the exact conversation i was having with some with some folks at this party last night and uh i didn't say what i i didn't give i i said i think it's a reasonable possibility that iowa is replacing its men's basketball coach and football coach after this coming school year um and i don't think women's basketball is probably that far off either because <laughs> Lisa, I don't know how long she wants to do this, although her kids are all out of high school and, and doing their own thing. So, and she's in great shape and I think she still loves what she does. But uh, at some point here, she's going to have to evaluate how longer, how much longer she wants to go. Um, so, you know, whoever the athletic director hire is, is going to be responsible for restocking the main sports on campus uh, with new coaches. So it's a huge, that's a huge hire. Um, but I will, I'm going to go with C. I'm going to say Iowa has a new men's basketball coach and a new football coach. How about that? Don't hold me to that. And I certainly would be, wouldn't bet any money on that <laughs> at all. Oh, let's see here. What should we do? Let's let's take a break. Let's uh, let's do a read here. Listen to a few more of our from our sponsors here, and then we'll come back and finish up on the other side. Uh, support for this podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at sui.org. That is sui. Dot org. Thank you to Systems Unlimited uh, for the great work that they've done in East Central Iowa and for supporting our podcast. Please check them out. Let's hear from a few more sponsors and we will be back on the other side. Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance. As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and Facebook, or give me a call at 400-4483. 400-4483. Hi, this is AJ Perez, managing partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Waukee and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. 
What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them. Do you need a great electrical contractor or fire and water restoration specialist? Well, contact Lance Bolin at LB Electric and LJ Construction in North Liberty. Lance has served the corridor for many years and is ready to help you. Call Lance Bolin at 319-640-1116. That's 319-640-1116. Or visit LJ underscore construction on Instagram for licensed and insured electrical work, fire and water restoration, and remodeling. And we're back. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you guys for hanging in there. Uh, we have uh, several more questions here on the docket before we get out for another week. Um, this one comes from Scott at Scott's FM. That's S-C-O-T-T-S-F-M on Twitter. We've heard from you before, Scott. Don't be a stranger. Come back. Uh, I like the question. And it is not a question, really, but more of what you think this season will be. I guess that is a question. I think first game may be rough, but then I think they really take off, and I envision 11-1 highly ranked, lose defensive battle to Georgia. Oof. So you're calling for a playoff berth. Uh, I don't think I can go there yet. I need to see this offense before I can put this team at 11-1 or in the playoff. Uh, I like to be optimistic. I try to lean towards optimism when I'm doing my preseason predictions and best-case scenarios and outcomes. Uh, but I also have to sprinkle in a little, little reality there. And Iowa is coming from one being one of the worst offenses in the country. How much pro- progress can it make? I think it can make a decent amount of progress with the additions and, as I said, a a more a friendlier schedule. But there are still road games at Penn State, Nebraska, Wisconsin – um, Penn State, Nebraska, Iowa State. I mean, you're talking about, you know, winning all but one, you know, winning all but one of those games, basically, and not losing at home, because I think those are the four toughest games. I've not done my game by game yet. I'm probably going to be in the eight to 10 range, uh, would be my guess, but I haven't gone through each team. I like to take some time with it and really you know, research each team and what's coming back. And now with the transfer portal, things change so much. So maybe how I viewed a team last year uh, changes quite a bit because of, you know, uh, transfer portal additions or, you know, impact freshmen, all those things. So want to take some time with that, but I'm probably in that eight to 10 range, Scott. I hope you're right. I hope it's 11 one. I hope it's a trip to the Indianapolis again and a, you know, the college football playoff and all that stuff. That would be great, a great, great uh, season and and be really fun to cover and really would enjoy that for the guys. But uh, I'm not there yet, but I like your optimism. All right, we got 44 MLS back again. This is from yesterday, as was Scott's question, by the way. Uh, I agree with you and Scott D that the offensive line will improve significantly this year. However, let's say – that we are wrong and they show the same inconsistencies last year. We would be looking at a new starting five and 24. Do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I would say the odds of that are very, um, slim. I think to think that you're not going to have, you know, one of at the minimum, one of Richmond, Connor Colby and Logan Jones, uh, 
not have any three of those guys who have eligibility and starting experience, not have any of them on the line, I think would be, but I certainly am with you that I could see um, changes. If these guys aren't working, they certainly have to try something else, right? You can't keep pounding your head against the wall. Um, and I think it's a, it's an interesting scenario less, but I, I don't think it's likely. I I really, I would be surprised if we don't see, um, development from those three guys mainly. And I also have hopes for Nick DeYoung taking a step forward. Uh, I think Rusty Feth is a, is a solid addition, a, um, you know, that typical, I don't want to say typical, but when Iowa has a decent offensive line, that right guard, that's just kind of like a, a reliable, you know, not somebody who is a superstar, but just somebody you can rely on at that right tack or right tackle and right guard spots. And I think Iowa has some options there this year to make that work. Um, but yeah, I mean, if your scenario did play out and they were bad this year, the team's going to be bad. If the offensive line is bad, this, this team's, I don't want to say team's going to be bad. The offense is going to be bad. If the offensive line plays like it did last year, and yet, like I said, you have you're going to have to try different uh, pieces there. But do they have the pieces? Do they have somebody who's showing them more in practice, or at least showing that they have the ability in practice to potentially be better in games? This is really hard to make that move. So I don't think it's a, a likely scenario, and I'm not saying that you're saying that less. Um, but yeah, I think there would be changes. A whole starting five, I think the odds would be very low on that. Oh, let's move on. We got another one from Wes. Uh, do you think we will be seeing more Final Fours in the future like the one we had this year? FAU, SDSU, Miami, or the year before with four Blue Bloods? I ask this because it seems more prospects out of high school are taking the non-traditional route to the NBA. Yeah, that's – it's, you know, if you just – and I don't, I'm not going to, you know – single this guy out just to to make an example of him. But you look at Bronny James. Um, he picked U- USC. It's obviously close to home. Uh, they have a good NIL package for him. Um, and But he's, I mean, the thought is he's one and done. So you're going to get him for one year. So what do you have around him for one season to make that run? Um I think Bill Self at Kansas has done a good job of figuring out how to get top high school prospects and mingle them with guys in the transfer portal as he develops them. Um, and he's had some three, he's kind of has a formula that I think is working best right now. I don't think Cal Perry at Kentucky has figured it out. He had a good run there initially with the one and duns and packaging them together. But it just seems like kids aren't as likely to go the five, Fab Five route, so to speak, where you you get a group of you know top fifty prospects all going to the same university, like you said, they're splintering now. They're doing their G League, uh, they're one and done at colleges. Um, there's the you know, Bronny James, who you figure is going to go to a blue blood, ends up at USC, still a good program, but not Kentucky or Duke, um, so or North Carolina. It's going to be a matter of how these schools build these rosters and how much is invested into NIL. And you saw last year, North Carolina reloaded and got, you know, Pete Nance, um, 
I think Duke got the kid from Northwestern as well, the uh, Ryan Young. Um, but those schools, those programs weren't as good using the transfer portal. So it's roster management and roster building, right? That's what you have to do to be successful. So to answer your question, I think it's going to be more of a mix. Less, I think you're going to have schools like FAU and SDSU that are able to put together de- and develop guys. So by the time they're upperclassmen or, or sophomores and juniors or however you want to, you know, put the formula together, they've played together. There's a chemistry, uh, continuity, and that's important, obviously, in this sport. And they may be they may be able to beat a Kentucky team that's got, you know, seven NBA players on the roster with a you know with a team that has maybe one or two if you're if they're lucky. So I think it's going to be a mix through the years, but I think we're going to see more teams have an opportunity to do that. And that's good for the sport, I think. All right. Last one from Chris Bryant. Haven't heard from Chris in a while. Welcome back and thank you for the question. And he is at Detroit Hawkeye on Twitter. Better chance of being at Iowa for two more seasons, Cade McNamara or Caitlin Clark? Another really good question. I appreciate uh, the work you guys have done on these questions this week. They're always good, but particularly sharp this week. Better chance of being in Iowa for two more seasons, Cade McNamara or Caitlin Clark? I'm going to say Cade McNamara. And um, I think that is because his path to being a professional athlete is not as clear as Caitlin's. Caitlin is a top pick whenever she comes out. I'm not saying the top pick. I'm saying a top pick uh, in her sport. And I I know she's making a lot of money here uh, with NIL and advertising and, uh, you know, being able to find ways. Um, she's, I think she makes over a million dollars a year here. And that may be the case um, with all her uh, – um, endorsements. That's the word I was looking for. Um, but she's going to make a lot of money in the WNBA and endorsements as well. Um, and she's, she will have been here, um, you know, long enough now where I think, you know, she's going to have her degrees. I think don't say you get bored, but I think you want to challenge yourself against the best and move up to that next level. And it's not going to cost her money. As I know people, it's not going to cost her enough money, I should say. Maybe there's more to be made at Iowa, uh, but it's not so much more that it prevents her from taking her shot at her dream, which is playing in the WNBA against the, the best in the world. Um, I think Cade, having missed last year and really only being a starter one year, it's it, again, it depends on what type of season he can put together. But I think you look and project – what's coming back that next year. And you have a lot coming back on the offensive line, running back, um, receiver. You have a lot coming back that next year. If they start to build as this season goes on, which I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see the offense kind of develop as the season goes on. I think he can see that next year with all I have coming back, I can come back, put a really good season together and improve my professional stock. But maybe he doesn't. Maybe they both end up going. Great question, though, but I'm going to lean towards Cade on that one. So appreciate that question. Chris, appreciate everybody's questions today. I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. 
and especially appreciate the folks that sponsor this podcast and allow us to bring it to you for free, uh, along with all of the podcasts on our feed. We usually have a fresh pop podcast, Hawkeye-centric podcast, Monday through Friday. This week's a little different because the holiday was yesterday, so I punted until this morning. So you're going to get two today. You'll get this one uh, and then the Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcast, flagship podcast with Pat Hardy and the guys from KCJJ. And I will be back tomorrow uh, on Thursday, July the 6th with Scott Docterman uh, at 9 a.m. And we stream that one live on YouTube uh, to talk some more Hawkeyes there as well. Uh, we'll have some prospect podcasts still coming up. As I said, you can catch one with Michael Burt, 2024 tight end. Uh, that's in our feed now. Um, so, yeah, appreciate that. And then last thing, the PSA on the Hawk Fanatic podcast. Uh, oh, sorry, Hawk Fanatic mailbag podcast. Uh, most of you guys are used to this drill as it is now. But for anybody who's not aware, who hasn't heard this before, um, Use that hashtag. The hashtag is HFmail, hashtag HFmail. Anytime between now, when I finish recording this, and the next time I fire it up again next Tuesday, um, actually, I will be at a service next Tuesday, so I may have to move that as well, but I will let you guys know um, about that. But anytime you guys want to send me something, uh, hashtag HFmail, I'll pick up where I left off the previous week, start up where you jumped in, and we'll go from there. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. Thanks for the questions. Thanks to our sponsors. And we will talk to you soon. Peace.